All right. Welcome to the Prime Podcast. And before we get going into the episode, I wanted to talk a little bit about some things that we have going on in our Prime Connect program and in our in-house Prime Movement performance. Right now, we are offering a seven-day free trial for both. Seven-day free trial for Prime Connect if you are a remote listener and you want to try out our online programming model through True Coach, where we develop programs <clears throat> for that home or doing it in a global gym or wherever you are and whatever access you equipment you have access to. We have a couple of different programs there. We have our Prime Connect templated program as well as some one-on-one individualized programming. Individual is a little different. So if you are interested in that, that's a little different. But if you are interested in in-house, if you're local to the area, we are also doing a seven-day free trial for the gym. We've been finding that a lot of folks are still curious about the gym, but not 100% sure of what actually happens in the style of gym that we have. So you for sure come by, check it out, get a seven-day free trial. And if you like it, there might be some other incentives involved. So again, two seven-day free trial options for you, either online, remotely, or in person. And now we're on to the episode. Yeah. You ready? <laughs> hey. Let's go. Welcome back to another episode of the Prime Podcast. Today is going to be a solo session coming from my new home office. Just kind of renovated some stuff in my house. What I was using as a home gym during COVID slash quarantine. I've taken all the equipment out and put a desk and a computer here. So hanging out on a Saturday night. And it's going to be funny because we're going to be talking about some overrated, underrated topics. We're going to continue that from last time and there's going to be sleep in there and I'm doing this on a Saturday night. So we'll talk about the importance of these different things and I'm going to jump right into it because I need to go to bed. So back to that overrated underrated like we did last week or two weeks ago with Tyler Kalasi. We have a couple of topics that we had touched upon and we're going to have a couple more that we're going to get into. The first overrated because I kind of already got into it a little bit is sleep. Now, what kind of put me on to some of the importance of sleep was listening to author Matthew Walker on a podcast. Now, I don't remember what podcast I heard him on initially. It may have been Joe Rogan or it may have been Tim Ferriss. I'm not 100% sure. But Matthew Walker wrote the book, Why We Sleep. And he kind of goes through all these different things and how important sleep is. And then when you start reading the book and you start finding statistics that he had come up with through his research, some of the stuff that is there is crazy. So sleep is highly underrated. And one of the quotes, I'm just, uh, you know, Googled Matthew Walker quotes because he's the author and I, I thought I took notes on the book, but I couldn't find them. So here it is. A couple of quotes here. Matthew Walker, sleep is mother nature's best effort yet to counter death, counter death. All right. Now we're, that's, we're just talking about health in, in these different things. Individuals fail to recognize how their perennial state of sleep deficiency 
has come to compromise their mental aptitude and physical vitality, including the slow accumulation of ill health. All right, so these are just a couple of different quotes. Based on the science, you can make somewhat clear statements. The number of people who can survive on six hours of sleep without impairment is zero, zero. So sleep is highly underrated. In the book, he also talks about sleep for performance aid. He talks about how athletes who get continually less than six hours of sleep are more likely to get injured. They have drastic decreases in speed, jump performance, all these different things. When we're talking about sleep, not only is it super important for your health, but it's also super important for performance if you are a performance athlete. So sleep, highly underrated. And there's so much stuff out there with sleep, but one of the more important things to do, you know, this is one thing that I I try to do my best with is no electronics in the bedroom. I actually have my phone, which is also my alarm clock. I put it in my closet I have kind of like this weird walk-in closet thing. So I put it in my closet so it's not directly in my bedroom. So if I, I hear it, I don't see it. And I hear it and it forces me to get up in the morning. One of the other things that a lot of people don't do is wake and sleep the same time every night. Have your room cool. Have your room as dark as possible. And limit technology before going to bed. And also limit food before going to bed because sometimes those food things can spike insulin and keep you awake longer and so on and so forth. So those are just some tips and tricks to kind of get better sleep. But most importantly is we want to strive for a minimum of seven. And if you're an athlete, you should be shooting for eight to nine hours of sleep to help your body recover and help your body do what it needs to do. All right. Sleep, super important, highly underrated. And it is classified as one of the, if it was a performance enhancing drug, it would be Super illegal because of all the benefits that it can bring. Next, static stretching. Static stretching gets such a bad rap. It is, again, highly underrated. I don't know what it was. Maybe 10, 12, 15 years ago, there was a research study that came out that convinced every strength and conditioning coach in the world to stop static stretching. So the research says, if you static stretch, it decreases your power output. If you look deeper into the study, what they did is they tested a vertical jump, had people stand and touch their toes for two or three minutes, and then test the vertical jump again immediately after. Yes, you can see how somebody would decrease their power output and their performance off of that. What it doesn't say is that if you were to do the static stretch, let's say you did a a vertical jump, did a static stretch and then warmed up with some dynamic movements, with some activation, with some integration, then your jump performance would then increase. They didn't say that part. And also in order to increase your flexibility, you do have to do some static stretching. Now static stretching for, to get any change in the system, it has to be done for a minimum of two minutes per, per stretch. So I think a lot of people will do like 30 seconds or until it feels right. I, again, use my phone. Like we just talked about the alarm clock. I set a timer on my phone because the timer doesn't lie. And it's not subjective to how I feel on that day. Or if, I, if it's too intensive a stretch, I hold the stretch for the two minutes. And sometimes if it's, I'm feeling particularly tight, I'll do 
two sets of 90 seconds. So I end up doing three minutes. And if you're feeling ambitious, you can do three sets of 90 seconds. I think when we're looking at the couch stretch, Kelly Starrett, who's one of the, you know, one of the top physical therapist type minds with mobility and flexibility, talked about doing the couch stretch for three sets of 90 seconds per side. That's four and a half minutes. So static stretching, highly underrated, but also poorly utilized as a way to increase flexibility, decrease stiffness and pain and things like that, because it's great to do it. But I think we talked, I don't know if we talked about it in the last time about hitting the save button, but we do want to be able to also hit the save button afterwards and also realize that doing the stretching, the static stretching is not a today game. It's a six, nine, 12, 15, 18 month game. So starting to work on your flexibility now is going to help you six months down the road, nine months down the road, because it's not going to be, again, it's not going to be a do something now. It changes it tomorrow type deal. Static stretching, underrated, can be a super useful tool in your toolbox. Tracking data. Now, what do I mean by that? Tracking data, what does the person mean by that who, who asked the question? Tracking data as in recording your workout results, recording your numbers, so on and so forth. Maybe tracking nutrition and all that. I might, I'm going to go a different direction here. I'm going to say that that's overrated. And here's why. I think people over emphasize or over stick to these numbers and that they have to do that, even though they may not feel the best based off of some of the other things, based off of nutrition, based off their sleep, based off of whatever. Let's say we're coming into the gym and we have a hit of five by five at 65, 75% or some number that's up there. And then we get into it and that 75% feels like a hundred percent. And you know, you wrote down your numbers from last time and you're looking at it and you get discouraged. Now remember training is supposed to be fun. Training is supposed to be enjoyable. Training is supposed to challenge you. And while your 75% today might not be the 75% tomorrow and the next day, do you understand what I'm saying? So like, as we're moving forward, maybe that day we're under more stress from work. Maybe we had some, a fight with our significant other and the stuff that happens in the weight room or in the training center is just not the same, but doing something is going to be more beneficial. So yes, tracking data has a place and it can be beneficial for some things, but I think overall basing things off of how you feel over if you, especially if your goal is to just move better and live a long and happy and healthy life, then just doing things based off of how you feel that day is going to be more beneficial than overly tracking any data as you move forward and live your life. So tracking data, in my opinion, it's overrated. And I think that you can do a lot better just basing things off of how you feel. Now, the last two are going to be, they're super dear to my heart. Unilateral exercises and training on unstable surfaces. I'm going to do that one first because that one to me is kind of like a joke. Training on unstable surfaces. Now, I'm trying to think when the, when functional training became very popular, the the meme at the time, even though there weren't really memes at that time, but was a was a guy standing on a physio ball doing a back squat or doing something crazy like that. So a physio ball is one of those big exercise balls. 
And they would get people doing all these exercises on these unstable services and calling it functional because somehow that is functional. But it's not because and training on an unstable surface, especially if you're trying to be an athlete, but if you're trying to do anything. So the, the definition of functional or function is that it does the thing that it's intended to do. So if my, my job or my performance or whatever is trying to push force into the ground and you're doing it on a squishy surface, you're not able to push force into, then you're kind of defeating the purpose. So training on unstable surfaces is not going to be very beneficial. Yes, you might see sometimes that training in sand can be beneficial. Sand has a little bit of more give than a traditional ground. And if we're doing certain warm-ups or running straight ahead and different aspects like that, it can be beneficial because it can help your feet. And what we're finding more and more and more and more and more is that people's feet are just not strong enough to do a lot of the things. And then if your feet aren't strong, it doesn't matter how strong your hips are because if you're, you'll start running into some lower leg injuries and that's what we see a lot of. Which then brings me to the next part, unilateral exercises. Unilateral exercises are highly underrated, which they're getting more and more attention now, but they're not utilized as much as they could be. So there was a, hmm, a, a rugby, I think it's Australian rugby strength and conditioning coach who did a presentation about the impact of unilateral training versus bilateral training. Unilateral training is when you are performing an exercise with one arm or one leg at a time. A, a lunge or a split squat is a pseudo unilateral exercise as the back leg is still there. It's still doing something. Whereas a pistol squat or a single leg squat or a single leg deadlift where you are just standing on the one leg is a true unilateral exercise. So when we're talking about the unilateral exercises and why they're so beneficial and why they're underrated and underutilized is let's take the idea of a back squat. If you're doing your, and we're putting our body weight. So I weigh for easy math, I weigh 185 pounds. So if I put 185 pounds on my back and do a back squat, that's the equivalent according to this research by this Australian rugby strength and conditioning coach, which I'll try to link in the bio. He says that you can do a single leg squat with literally just your body weight, no external loading, and it would fire the same amount of muscle fibers and things as a 185 pound back squat. No weight, nothing. So if you think about the spinal compression, the different things that have to happen for you to hold a bar on your back, the back pain, the different things, the core, and all the other stuff that happens that could negatively happen from having the bar on your back, they don't happen because there's no bar. If you can do half of your body weight, so for me, that'd be 92 and a half pounds. If I could load myself up with chains or vests or something like that and get myself to do 92 and a half pounds, then that would be the equivalent of a double body weight back squat. Pretty impressive. So now that would be the equivalent of having 370 pounds on my back. If I can do half my body weight, if I can do my body weight, if I can do 185 pound 
single leg squat or single leg deadlift, they are the equivalent of a three times body weight back squat. Three times. So now we're talking, I don't even know what that is. Three times 185, 180, 180, 360, 180, 540, add some 555. So 555 pounds on my back would feel miserable. 185 pounds on my back or 185 pounds on the front rack, 185 pounds holding somewhere else, pretty manageable. But the amount of muscle and amount of work that my legs are doing is the same. Unilateral exercises, highly, highly, highly underrated. They can be super beneficial for so many reasons and help fight off any imbalances that you might have from right to left, which causes a lot of injury and a little and a lot of other issues and pain that might come from those imbalances. Quick rundown, static stretching, would we say? Underrated. Tracking data, overrated. Sleep, highly underrated. Training on unstable surfaces, again, highly underrated. Unilateral exercise, oh, sorry. Training on unstable surfaces is highly overrated. Don't do it, it's kinda silly. And once uh, Mike Canino, who was one of the, our guests a long time ago, we kind of send people, we send each other funny examples of people doing some wild, wild training on some unstable surfaces. And, you know, it's just, it's silly because it, it really doesn't have a whole lot of carryover to the intended purpose. You know, I think like, what, what do you, tr- I think if you can ask yourself, like, what am I training for? And how does this, how is this helping that? So how is me standing on a waterbed helping me perform on a football field? How is standing on this physio ball helping me perform on the soccer field? How is, you know, doing all this work on this BOSU ball helping me on the basketball court? So just try to think of like that kind of stuff. How does it relate and does it relate to the thing that you're trying to do? And if not, then it's probably highly overrated. Unilateral exercise, again, highly underrated as you can have some great, great, great benefits from not putting as much what they would call system load onto your overall central nervous system. And with any training, what we're trying to do is to do the lowest effective dose. So what do I mean by that? So as if we're taking, talking about medicine, let's talk about medicine. So when a doctor prescribes a certain medicine, they're trying to get you the minimum effective dose. So what, how many pills is the minimum that you need to take for it to be beneficial? So single leg training does that because you're putting the least amount of stress on the system by not having to hold that much weight. So if I have to hold 555 pounds on my back, that's a big stress on my system. And that may crush my training for the next couple of days because of the amount of s- s- stress it just happened on my central nervous system. So now when I try to go train tomorrow, I'm run down. And then when I try to train the next day, I'm still run down. So then that affects all that data that I was talking about tracking, which why that can be again, overrated. So trying to get minimum effective dose and least, you know, lowest system load as we can to allow us for maximum benefits and unilateral uh, training checks all off all those boxes. There's one more on this list, and I guess we'll touch upon it because I'm only at about 18 minutes here. I'm flying through it because I'm going to be going to bed shortly. 
and that's supplements, pre-workout, BCAAs, protein, so on and so forth. Supplements are just that. They are supplements. And if you listen to the podcast that we did with E.C. Sinkowski, she talked about how supplements, at least for the general population, the marginal benefits you would get from them don't matter if we're trying to just be a general fitness enthusiast who is just trying to live long and prosper, so to speak. Maybe you get 1% better, maybe you get 2% better or 2% outcomes out of it. But unless you're training to make money, like maybe like a CrossFit athlete or a professional athlete who's trying to use their performance and training to better themselves and to make money off it to be a career, then yes, maybe those, those supplements might help. But if we're just trying to maximize kind of like our life, then we should be focusing on the, the simple, basic things in life. Sleeping, eating whole, nutrient-dense, minimally processed foods, drinking lots of water, getting some daily movements in, enjoying the sunshine, and then having fun. So those should be the things that we're focusing on, not what pre-workout we're doing. BCAAs have been found to be like not even effective to protein. Yes, you can do protein if you're having trouble hitting your protein numbers, if you have those, right? So if you're, if one of the things that you struggle with is getting enough protein in your diet, yes, and doing a protein shake is definitely one of the ways to supplement your diet. But I would always recommend trying to eat real food as much as possible. So there you have it. A couple more overrated, underrated, and maybe I'll throw some at Tyler for him to give us his feedback on it. And then maybe some of the other staff members and see what they think. But a quick one today, I'm probably going to do a couple of these a month. Just a quick 20 minute hit. Solo session. It's easier to do. Don't have to get people in. I can do it at night after the kids go to bed. That's it for now. And we'll talk to you soon. Later. As always, I'd like to thank you for hanging out with us today. And if you enjoyed the episode and like the podcast and all the content that we put out, check us out on Instagram at Prime Movement with no vowels, M-V-M-N-T. My own personal Instagram, at A Mercurio, where we talk about a lot about sports performance type stuff. And then leave us some reviews. Hit a, if you're on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, send us a review, send us some comments. Get those five stars going so other folks can find their fun. Peace. Whoa. Said I'm at my prime.